back. Come back indeed. Episode number five. Coffee Hour podcast episode number five. How are you? I'm all good. I'm all good. Uh, like they, like they haven't done anything today. Actually, I did exercise a little bit, but I did skip uni as well, by the way. Uh, oh. What about you? Well, before I answer that, why did you skip uni? Well, we've got this test about this module that we have, but it's in like two weeks. But the test is going to be from like the the topics from week one to week eight. But this uh-huh. week would have been week 10. Uh, and next week, he's going to do like a revision paper. So basically, today's topic was not going to be in our test anyway. So I thought I might as well use the time to revise for the test. That is something actually that happens at university in your final year where you're just like, is it efficient for me to go in? Exactly. Probably not. I can get more done at home. Um, I'm very good. I'm I'm feeling a little bit of Christmas spirit because we're getting yeah. closer. It's under a month. So it's good vibes. I'm feeling good. Yeah, of course. Of course. I mean, the weather is definitely representing the Christmas vibe in London at the moment. Well, we were just talking about this before we came on how so we're filming this on Tuesday and tomorrow, Wednesday, the 29th is going to be the coldest day of the year. And I think this Saturday or next Saturday, we were just saying it's going to go down to minus three in London. And you said minus eight in some places in the UK. So very, very cold, but not looking forward to that. Um, but looking forward to staying in and just being cozy, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, that's to be fair, that's what you want, though. That's what you want. You'd want the Christmas time to be cool. I'm feeling some snow this year as well. Like, I know every year there's been a little bit of snow, but you could barely call that snow. It's like dust, pretty much. But I've, I'm feeling like some heavy snow this year. I thought it was going to happen on Saturday. I was so convinced because it, it had that vibe, you know, sort of like how it is now where it's like sunny outside but then it was really really bitterly cold and then suddenly it started to rain I'm thinking well it's got to be it it was so cold it must be like zero degrees but it wasn't it was like two degrees so unfortunately it was just like sludgy rain um but you're right hopefully we get some thick snow and just not that you know that shitty light one what we get a lot actually is usually we get a lot of hail yeah which is sort of like that's quite depressing to be honest I don't I don't like a lot of hail um snow though snow's good yeah yeah no i agree i mean on apple weather i checked like two days or maybe yesterday it said that on thursday there's like a 35 percent chance of raining and thursday it's going to get to minus one degrees but now i've checked again and now it says it's going to be sunny so but you never know man it's tricky but we want heavy snow as you said we don't want one of them uh wish.com snows we want a heavy snow which will you can't even open the door do you know what i mean well and and we we're, we're a bit selfish because I don't know about you, but I don't want the snow to go out and play. I just want it like there. Just yeah, the visuals. That's all you need. I'm not gonna go play in the snow. I'm just you just want to look at it. You just want to have your coffee, look at the snow, enjoy the view. I think logistically, us wishing for snow is not a good thing because there are so many like different uh, problems that arise from having snow. You know, whether it's like the roads being slippy or whatnot, or just people freezing in general. Um, but yeah, it's, aesthetically, it's just nice. And it gets you in that mood for Christmas, which, like we said, is coming up very, very soon. Looking forward to it. That's actually something we want to talk about today, but we'll get to that later. Shall we start off with the Premier League from the weekend? Let's do this. Talk to me. So, Luton Town, you heard of them? Of course, yeah. 
they got promoted this year to the Premier League. I believe it's the first, first time, time they've ever been yeah. in the Premier League. And they got their first home victory, a 2-1 win versus Crystal Palace. Really entertaining game, I have to say. Um, it was actually the first match on Match of Day this week, which tells you all you need to know, because they usually do it in terms of the running order. It's the most entertaining game first. And 2-1, it was not the highest scoring game, but there were plenty of chances. This is the first time I've actually seen Luton play this season, and have to say I was impressed you know they don't have the heaviest squad in terms of uh, talent available it's it's pretty weak com- compared to other Premier League teams but there's a really good fighting spirit in that side if you actually look at their fixtures over the past 10 games a lot of the results okay a lot of losses in there that's correct but they're usually by one goal margins so the mentality is there for this team I thought personally as soon as they came up you know, considering the size of the club, um, the lack of money they have to invest in the team, I thought this is a certain bet to go down. But actually, having seen them play over the weekend and having seen their results so far, I think they've got a good chance of staying up. And it's just really nice to see, you know, a side which is probably not of Premier League quality doing pretty well in, in the Premier League. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I mean, right now they're 17th and they overtook, I think, is it Everton? Yes, well, we can get into that after, but go on. Yeah, so right now, like, as you said, this is a team that doesn't have the best squad, doesn't have the best facilities, but you wouldn't expect that from a team that literally is the first time in the history that they're playing in a Premier League. And as you said, the matches are not like, okay, they get dominated every match. If they lose, it's usually a close close game. Like they could have won it if they had any better players and stuff like that. And it looks like they want to progress even further. I mean, I saw the manager saying that this 2-1 victory against Crystal, uh, Crystal Palace doesn't mean that our players, do, like they're going to go celebrate. They're going to go have the time of their life and ignore training. No, it doesn't mean anything like that. They're just going to train harder. And obviously, I believe the win motivates them as well to want to play more. And, well, this also opens up the opportunity for more money to be invested in the club, which I don't know how it would work, if they would have sponsors or if there's just a financial decision they need to make. But the team, they genuinely play well for what they're working with. They're doing really well for themselves. I saw that actually, that quote from the manager, Rob Edwards, as well. And I really liked that. Like it wasn't in terms of an admission or an an acknowledgement from him that like, yeah, we know we're the underdogs and like we're going to go and celebrate this big win. It was like, no, we got a job to do. We need to stay in this league. So I really like that mentality there. Like in general, Luton being in the Premier League for the size of the club, for the fact that it's pushed so many expectations, it is a win-win regardless. Like even if they did go down, um, the revenue that they have, they have got for getting promoted and even the revenue they're going to get if they got relegated is really good for the club. Um, there's just a feel-good factor around it. And I really, I like the story, you know, because it's not, it's not, um, it's not what you would expect. It's not the sort of team. It's not one of those giants in the Premier League. They are quite a small club compared to these other yeah. teams in the league. And it's just nice to see them do well. And also, I mean, one of the things that I wanted to highlight here was the fact, for example, their stadium. They've got 10,000 capacity stadium. Mm. Now, if we compare that to the biggest in the league, Manchester United have got over 70,000 
capacity stadium. So you can see what you're dealing with here, how it's a David versus Goliath story, exactly. but it's just really, it's really warming. And it's nice to see in the Premier League where nowadays you rarely, it's every few years you get a story of a smaller team making it in, but usually they're quite, even the teams that get promoted, they're quite established. They've been in the league a few times before. So it's, yeah, it's really nice to see. Do you know what it reminds me of? Go on. It gives me Ted Lasso vibes. I don't know why, but it just gives me Ted Lasso vibes. Obviously, that was a well-established team already, but it just gives me Ted Lasso vibes. It's just that underdog team that's not meant to do what they're doing right now, but they're doing it and they're not happy with it yet. They want more, and that's what's actually great to see. That is very true. I do get a little bit of a Ted Lasso vibe, except the manager is nothing like Ted Lasso because... Ted Lasso was pretty clueless in his job. He was just, he wasn't even managing the team, I don't think. Um, and they somehow didn't they win the Premier League? Yeah, he was more spoiler of a, alert. Yeah, he was more of a psychologist. To be fair, he was literally just a team like psychologist instead of a manager. Ted Lasso. He didn't even know what football was. He really did. That was why the story was so good because it was like a fish out of water story. I actually I completely forgot about Ted Lasso. We had a third season this year, didn't we? Yeah. And now it's finished, of course. Um, yeah, that was, a, that was a good show. That was yeah, a media, good show. It was all right. Season three was uh, a little bit of a downfall, but it was still a great show. But back to the point of, yeah, okay, the stadium capacity stadium capacity is 10,000. Let's say they're going to play against fucking Man United. 70,000. Isn't Wembley the biggest, though? Yes, but no Premier League team plays at Wembley. Oh, that's right. So in terms of Premier that's League right. teams, it's Old Trafford and Man United. Um but it's just, it's great to have all this exposure. You were talking about, you know, advertising money. Think about how much money they're going to get if uh, Luton versus Manchester United was on television, for example. Imagine yeah. the exposure from that. So it's a win-win for the club. I don't know if they have any plans about their stadium because Kenilworth, Kenilworth Road, which is the stadium, is really interesting because it's sort of, it's in between residential houses. So usually if you think of a football stadium, it's got, if we take Man City's Etihad Stadium, there's infrastructure around it, which is related to the football club. It's sort of out of the way. There's not like a house right next to it. Whereas Kenilworth Road is actually, it's literally like a fortress of houses surrounding it. It's its really warming to see. And it's something you wouldn't expect in the Premier League. But here we are. I mean, you get to the Premier League, you deserve to be in there. So yeah, kudos to them. Kudos to them. Yeah, to be fair, I mean, Maybe a lot of Premier League teams have a better training facility than the stadium that uh, Luton has. But yeah, I mean, that's that's actually the thing you'd want to see. You'd want to see the team that's not meant to be doing the stuff they're doing, do what they do. Um, yeah, exactly. If they if they were to play against, let's say, Man United, which I'd say they eventually will at some point. Yeah, it's just going to generate so much money for them as well throughout all the advertising and stuff like that. So it's just a matter of, um the financial team making the decision of okay do we want to invest that back into because you said, as as you said it's not just a stadium they need to fix they'll probably need that's some better players they probably need uh better training facilities as i mentioned so there's a lot of things that you have to take into consideration before saying okay well let's upgrade the stadium that's if they can in the first place which as you said i don't think they can because it's in a residential area it'll be a big big problem unless they would like move to another location but yeah they're gonna have a big influx of revenue so now the most important thing is that it's just spent right 
But let's pivot back to something you said earlier, because you were talking about Everton and how Luton have leapfrogged them. I don't know if you're aware of this, but Everton got a 10-point deduction yeah, yeah. last week, um, which actually doesn't even put them bottom. They're 19th, but it's quite controversial because it was over one charge of overspending. Um, mm. And I don't have the numbers in front of me, so I am just paraphrasing here. I think it was the 2021-22 season or the 2020-21 season where they spent roughly 20 million over what you're allowed to spend on players in terms of the transfer market and this is a really this is a very very heavy point deduction for i don't know something that doesn't seem that big but then again it is quite big because think about the other teams who were spending within you know, the amounts that you're allowed and got relegated those years, for example, you could make the argument, well, if those teams were allowed to spend 20 more million pounds on players, they might have stayed up because the money that Everton had spent over budget was spent on players who helped them in the seasons that they stayed up. For example, it wasn't like Everton were finishing 10th. They were in a relegation battle. So um, quite a harsh, a harsh decision, I think. It's also controversial because you've got other teams like Chelsea and Man City who have charges against them. But the point is they have charges, not one charge. So what's going to happen with those clubs? Are they going to get relegated, for example? Like, we don't know what sort of precedence this sets. What What do you think? Yeah, I mean, the 10-point deduction is harsh a little bit because it's not even like a big thing they did that affected other team okay yes they've spent more money than they should have on players which if you take into consideration uh well count towards some advantages to their team but a 10 point deduction is harsh that's basically three wins and maybe one draw and that's four matches you have to basically sacrifice just to get back to where you already were so you're four matches behind all other teams that's if they all go the way you want them to go um yeah, 10-point deduction is harsh. I don't think that it's, it's looking like something they can recover. I'm surely they'll recover. It's not like they're going to go down in the league. But yeah, I don't know about 10 points. 10 points is a bit too much, especially for something that happened years ago. Obviously, I understand it takes time to investigate. It takes time to, you know, put the penalties, like go to the court. I assume they have to go to courts and stuff like that. Um, but shouldn't it be something that, affects their previous record so shouldn't they just be charged for it financially rather than taking away what they've accomplished this season well that's like that's a very right question to ask and right now i don't think we know what the answer to that is i guess everton fans are probably feeling very disgruntled they're probably feeling you know over the past few seasons they've been in these relegation battles and finally this year it's looked like oh maybe they're going to be comfortable they might finish mid-table and now they're straight back in a relegation battle so they're probably thinking you know how can our luck get any worse than it is i guess the best thing is if you're going to take any positive from the situation for everton is that it's happened this season um rather than you know the last two or three seasons because this season they've actually been decent this year they look like they're gonna stay up comfortably probably finish mid-table um but of course now they've had the point deduction they're going to be in a relegation battle but they should get through it um i think a more interesting point is that a club like chelsea and man city have got multiple charges against them and what's what's going to happen there because 
you've now set a precedent of this financial this financial overspending has led to a 10 point deduction well how much have chelsea overspent for example what are the charges against man city and how many points you're going to deduct there or are you going to give a financial uh, penalty for example i think i don't i'm not sure why um everton weren't given a financial penalty over a point deduction if we go back to the breakaway super league from a few years ago i believe those six clubs involved were given a financial penalty and that was something far far bigger than what's going on here so it's it's interesting it's um it's unfortunate for everton fans of course um but it is an interesting story to follow and i think there is there's gonna be a lot of follow-on from this so we'll see what happens with other clubs it definitely does set a precedent though because i don't think this has ever happened before in premier league history and 10 points is quite a lot of points to take away from a club i agree with that Back to our first point, it somewhat goes to show how great Luton Town is doing because right now they're actually ahead of Everton. I mean, yes, there has been a 10-point deduction. Yes, it probably was an unfair point deduction. But it just goes to show Everton has had a good season so far and knowing they're behind Luton Town just goes to show how well they're doing for a team that visually does not belong to the Premier League. Well, yeah, for Luton, this is fantastic. This is only going to boost their opportunity to stay in the league. So, I mean, they they might have a little bit of sympathy for Everton fans, but I, I don't think they will. I Listen, having watched, I don't know how many games we played now, maybe, you know, under 15 or around 15 games so far this season, I am sort of, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for Luton. I do want to see them stay up. Um, there are some there are some far worse teams in the Premier League this season and it'll be nice to see them stay up. Hopefully if they do stay up, they don't do what Huddersfield did a few years ago where they scrape by and then they just completely drop down. Or Sheffield United, like they did a few years ago where they actually finished mid-table and then they were just woeful. Uh, she- on Sheffield United, actually, they got promoted last season and they are, I believe, in the bottom three as well and they do not look good. So it's not looking good for them. But Listen, Luton, they are a bright spark of the weekend. Unlike Tottenham, who lost to Aston Villa on Sunday 2-1. Did you follow that? Yes, I did. Oh, not looking good. No comment. It's it's all part of the bigger picture. And what is the bigger picture? But we're going to win. That's, that's the bigger picture. We're going to finish first. We're going to win the season. That's the bigger picture. This is a fake out. I admire the optimism. What I can take away from that Aston Villa game is, for example, that we scored four disallowed goals. Granted, they're disallowed, so are they actually goals? Well, no. Um, But we can get in the position to score them. It was just a case of they were offside. Um, And it was a a good performance. I mean, we are... Tottenham are three, three losses on the bounce. They lost to Chelsea in that calamitous performance that we spoke about a few weeks ago. They mm-hmm. lost to Wolves two or three weeks ago, which was a disappointing performance. Um, but the loss to Aston Villa on the weekend was not, it wasn't a shambolic performance. They were probably equal teams or even better than Aston Villa, but they just, they didn't get the job done. And that's, that happens in football. It's okay. Um, I don't think we should read too much into the numbers that they've lost three in a row. They're playing good football. And eventually those goals will come and they will count. They're not going to be offside every single time. Your players are going to be onside, for example. They're going to adapt their runs. So 
yeah, just give it time. I don't hold as much optimism as you do in terms of winning the league. Um, <laughs> but a push for the Champions League is definitely something that I think could happen because right now Tottenham Hotspur are a really exciting team to watch. So yeah, I am, I'm quietly optimistic. I'm not so optimistic and so confident that we can win the league, although that would be really nice. But I think it's going to be a good season ahead and it's going to be better than the fossil football that has been played over the past few years at Tottenham Hotspur. I agree. We're playing really entertaining football at the moment. I mean, our next match is against Man City, so that's going to be a tough one. Um, but I'm sure, I'm sure we're going to do great when it comes to that match. But you have to believe, man. It, it all comes down to believing. We are winning this season, I'm telling you. Let's just take some of that spirit from Luton Town and give it to the Tottenham players. That's some of that, we need. Some we of need that belief. We do need it. Well, Ange Postacoglu, you could argue, is a Ted Lasso. He's an Australian Ted Lasso. Yeah, yeah. Some more. I agree, actually. Yeah, that's a good point. Shall we Shall we completely pivot away from football and to South America? Let's do this. And, a, and, a, and an extraordinary man, um, and not in terms of his policies, but just his character, Javier Millet, who has just been elected the Argentine president. Have you seen this? I have, I have. Just to visually describe this man before you start. Take Go on. Donald Trump, take Boris Johnson, take Elvis Brisley, mix them, you have him. I have one more to add to that. Let's hear it. Wolverine. Wolverine. Yep. <laughs> Think of the hair. That's a good one. That's, a good... That's why I said Elvis. And Wolverine, actually. Yeah, it's a mixture. He doesn't have the voice of Elvis have to say he does he does he does do some singing but it's not up there um yeah a surprise victory albeit that the candidates for the presidency were not that strong anyway you've got someone who was in the current government who was in charge of the economics side um and argentina is not in a good state in terms of its economy and you have javier millet who is this let's say he is a populist um an extraordinary character whether or not you agree with his policies which we can we're not going to get into but they are pretty wild so we will name a few of them um but let's see what happens it's, it's an interesting space to watch for sure yeah i mean the elections were really close he barely won it, it was 56 percent in his favor um and it's just and actually his saying is or not his saying is they say like make argentina great again so it's like a Donald Trump 2.0 run we're, we're looking at. But just his character in general, like, don't get me wrong, it's not fully out of the ordinary. Like, it's not like a person you look at and you'd be like, okay, well, that's not normal at all. But that's not what you expect to see when it comes to being a president of a country, when it comes to being a leader, when it comes to being a prime minister. Like, that's not what you expect to see. The closest we had to him was Boris Johnson, probably. In the UK, yeah. There are some parallels, actually, with Donald Trump, aside from, obviously, the make Argentina great again. Um, I believe that Millet, he was not on reality TV, but he was on daytime Argentine TV, for example. And, of course, Donald Trump hosted the US Apprentice. So there is that sense with a populist figure like Millet and Trump, where they have this, they have this television background, which introduces them to the mass population so people are familiar with them and then they use that that popularity to their advantage in terms of a political run 
let, I just want to get on to some of the things that Millet has said, uh, and two of them. So firstly, he plans to introduce the US dollar into Argentina, replacing the pesos, which will be uh, interesting, to say the least. And secondly, he very, um, very creatively has gone around on some of his on his campaign with a chainsaw and has pledged to rip up the machinery of the Argentine state, which uh, I'm not sure how that's going to go um, or whether he can actually get these through. But very emotive, visible metaphor, to say the least. And I think you can sort of understand why why there is a sense of appeal there for the Argentine people. It's very striking in a visual way to see a politician going around with a chainsaw and pledging to rip up this and chainsaw that. You you couldn't imagine, for example, Rishi Sunak doing that. That's what I mean. That's what I mean by these are the type of stuff you don't you don't expect to see from a politician. Um, about the change to US dollars, I'm not sure how successful he's going to be with that because the central bank just does not have any access to US dollars. And well, I'm sure he has his ideas and he has his reasons to do that. Um, but yeah, just like. If you say my president is walking around with a chainsaw, you just expect, oh my days, we're going to get nuked. That's what you expect. But this guy is just a character. Like if you just look at him, the way he talks, like he has so much confidence in what he says as well. Uh, one of the things he said in one of his campaigns, he said, and this is to quote him, uh, word for word, he said, give me 15 years and I will make Argentina as good as Italy or France in terms of the economy, like tourist people, everything, just the status of the country. Give me 15 years and it will be just like France and Italy. Give me 35 years and we will overtake the United States. Now, I'm not sure if he's going to be successful with that, nor I think that he's going to get 35 years. I actually don't know how the president term uh, works in Argentina because usually it's four years and then you're going to get there's another election and best case scenario you're going to get um, eight years but there are some countries which have um, a different just like a different type of president like Russia being one of them with Putin or Turkey being one of them with Erdogan where they've been the president for years and I don't know how it's going to change so I'm not sure if he's going to be be there for 35 years uh keep in mind he's 52 years of age as well so what do you think well two things to straight away say on that firstly how can you make that promise 35 years or even 15 years and secondly if you want to stay in power that long you sound like a dictator and as far as i'm aware like you were alluding to, Argentina is a democracy. I mean, even though um, Russia and Turkey are democracies, there is that element of corruption. You know, how is Vladimir Putin been leader pretty much on and off for the past 20, 25 years? There's an element of corruption there. Um, Erdogan, I don't know how long he's been leader, but he has he's a populist and he has been in power for quite a long time. And I'm sure he plans to continue to be in power. It's just interesting in terms of you know, the the way that he wants to introduce the US dollar to the Argentine economy, for example. I don't know logistically or literally how that works um, and how that's going to be a healthy transition. What, what he's proposing, I guess, is really radical propositions 
to an extreme problem. And the extreme problem, or the, one of the main ones in Argentina, is this insane inflation. It's over 100%. It might be over 140%, as far as I'm aware. Um, which is also another reason why he won against his opponent, who was an economic minister or a finance minister, right? Um, who are you going to vote exactly. for? This guy this guy proposing radical change, which is out of this world, but it's something different. Or are you going to vote for the guy who has overseen this incredible inflation? Like it's, it's understandable. They're not the best options. Um, but yeah, so I, I see in that sense why he has been appealing. Yeah, I just don't understand or yeah, I don't comprehend the rationale to say that I, if you give me 15 years or 35 years, I would get this done. Like, how can you make a claim that you were going to make the Argentine economy bigger than the US? That's just not going to happen, is it? I mean, maybe it is possible, but 99.99999% chance that that's just not going to happen. And it's sort of like you're giving people hope and then you're just pushing it down the timeline. So you're managing expectations. And also there's the fact like he might be the president now or the president elect but i don't think his party has a majority control so how are you actually going to get through these reforms this is now going to be a politician's game where you are going to have to play off different sides and strip away certain things that you said that you were planning to do and as far as i'm aware in terms of his record in the past in what he's pledged to do for example i don't think he has a problem with you know, saying one thing and then realizing it can't happen and then just, you know, ditching it to the side. So this is another one to watch, I think. Very interesting. And I hope, obviously, I hope it pans out well for the Argentine people because the economic situation there is dire right now and it does need to reverse. Um, but I think I was saying this to you a week or so ago where it's just interesting that another populist leader has been elected because I thought, globally we were shifting away from that but apparently not well i mean i don't think there's ever going to be a case where every country is going to shift away from it just to pivot back to one of the points so for example russia putin's been the president since 2012 or erdogan been the president of turkey since 2014 i believe if i'm not wrong he's been the prime minister beforehand um i don't necessarily i know you said it's somewhat of a dictatorship if you say that I want to be the president for 35 years or for X amount of years, which is longer than your reign's meant to be. Um, I personally don't see a problem with that. And this is what I think about it. I think if you have this uh, leader, president, prime minister, anything, that's genuinely really good for the country and they're actually doing great. Why would you say, okay, well, it's been eight years, see you later? Why would you risk change it? If, I know the policies, like, for example, in the United States, like, there's no way of the president staying, like, for example, Obama was the president for eight years, I believe. Let's say he was a great president. No comment on that, but let's say he was a great president. Why not continue that? Why, why, is, why, why do you have to say, okay, this person has to change now? Like, I personally don't, I get it, but I personally would like to have this normalized where okay if there's someone who's genuinely great for your country he should he should reign for longer he should be the president prime minister leader for longer um i agree with the claim of making it as great or 
trying to overtake the United States. I don't think he will ever be able to do that. Um, but it's interesting. Like I watched an interview from this this person who's like an Argentinian. He's like in his maybe sixties. And uh, there was this person that was going around just interviewing people. And it's like, you could just see this, that he's not looking good at all. Like you could see that, as he said, the inflation is over 130% and over 140%. And this person was basically saying how he, his job was basically fixing bicycles and stuff like that. But obviously that didn't pay him enough. So his monthly income was 60,000 pesos, which translates to... 70 pounds uh 70 us dollars 70 pounds uh something like that and he was saying how basically he lives off of that and the electricity water food that the government supplies and sometimes not all the time and he was saying how javier Millet is gonna remove that which is what he actually said before he said he's gonna remove some of those stuff or reduce the amount Yet he said, I want to vote for him. And yet he said he will vote for him because he said a change like that needs to happen. He said, even though short term, it might make my life harder, but a change like that needs to happen. And just a character like that, I believe I didn't know who the president of Argentina was before this guy. I didn't know anything about the, uh, the politics over there. But just a character like that is viewed worldwide. Like, it's so unique that everyone would just like, I'd be like, oh, that man's a character. And that just brings eyes to the country. That just makes more people interested about the country. And I believe the more people look up, the more income that country will have. Somewhat, not necessarily. But yeah, characters like that are unique. Like, obviously, I think things play out in his head a bit easier than what he's actually going to face. Because as you said, I don't even think he has like 100% control over the government because there's still left-wing people in the uh, cabinet and stuff like that. But he's a character. We need more people like that. Well, in terms of leadership, it's very important in what you were saying when you compare someone who, say, wants to be in power for 35 years to someone who is a two-term president in the US for eight years. And what you will find a trend is that the longer that someone is in a job, they will get better at the job. And so in regards to a president wanting to be in power for let's say 30 years, well, in that sense, he would be, you would think a better president because he has been in the job for 30 years. And that is true in the sense that he might be better at some of the nuances of the job, um, more efficient, but it is undemocratic because, and I'll tell you why, there is runs the risk that they can accumulate power. And if they accumulate power, they are then serving their own interests rather than the interests of the country. And so if a situation arises where people no longer want that president in power, but he is clinging on to power, well, you have been elected to represent the interests of your country rather than yourself. And so therefore it is undemocratic. And that is why you have a control on how long you can have a leader. But there's also a different element. And that is the element of media in modern society. And unfortunately, if you are getting into politics and you want to be the leader of a party or a president, 
unfortunately for you, people are just impatient and you can be brought down by the smallest things. People do like change, you know, it's good for democracies, but it, it people just get bored. You could be prime minister for 10 years and they're like, well, come on, move on. We want someone else. So, and that's no fault of the prime minister or president themselves, but that is just the way that society operates and it's actually better for democracies. So yeah, I don't believe in the claim that he will be leader for 35 years or 20 years or 15 years. Um, I don't think it's good for democracy if that is the case. Of course, you have some theocracies um, off the top of my head in the Middle East, for example, where you have one defined leader for a very long period of time. And that might be good for driving, you know, economic revolution in that arena. But in terms of like Western democracy, you usually just have um, a leader serve, you know, two three maybe yeah maybe three terms because it's just it's healthier for the the politics of that society and for the democracy in general um yes i mean i somewhat agree with that i just don't see why i'm not saying okay let's say this but okay just to confirm before that actually he never said he will be president for 35 years or that's what he's planning on new he just said give me 35 years and i will do that um uh, but i I don't see anything wrong with it, though. My point is, I, I agree with everything you said, but I just think they should still have the option to be a candidate. Like, let's say four years, there's another election, you have the option to join if you're Javier Miller or if you're, let's say, let's just use America as an example. If you're Barack Obama, you have the option to join after four years, which he did, which he won the election again. Eight years, so his second reign, at the end, he he's basically not allowed. I believe he's not allowed to try to be a candidate again. And I think the election needs to happen every four years. But I think it should be a case where you sh you can join again, like even if it's your third time, even if it's your fourth time in a row, even if it's the fifth time in a row, because that both gives you that both gives the people the opportunity to vote for who they want. Because it may just be a case where a president's doing great and they've they can accomplish much more than what they've accomplished. Um, so why change it just because it's been eight years? That eight year rule though, is specific to US elections. So if we take Britain, for example, Rishi Sunak could be prime minister for 20, 30 years, so long as people elect him. Um, but that's very that's highly unlikely to happen because like i said before in terms of that media aspect you can be brought down by the smallest thing and people in general are quite impatient so they might just want to ride the tide of change and as a political leader there's nothing you can you can do with that and i think actually it's quite democratically it's quite healthy to have that option because it allows in a different generation and a different generation allows political innovation. Um, in terms of the US, I don't think the US, well, the US president is an extremely powerful individual and much more powerful than the British prime minister, for example. And so I think that is just a way to prevent a democratic dictatorship, for example. So you don't want Donald Trump being president three times in a row. Um, he's well within his rights democratically and legally to be president twice. Um, but three times, maybe a bit too much. Do you know what I mean? Um, but we might agree to disagree on this. 
Yeah, I, I, I totally get what you mean. What I'm just trying to say is, it's just good for him to have the option. To, I'm not saying he will win it, but let's say everyone's happy with him. Everyone's saying, okay, you've done great for eight years. Why do we have to say goodbye now? That's And that's how it's been in like Turkey, for example, I believe. There is elections. It's just the same president can be a candidate over and over and over and over again, which somewhat, as back to your point, it does turn into somewhat of a dictatorship. But you're still voting for that person. So it's not like you have to have this person. But obviously, if a person's been in the government for long enough, they'll have influence in different parties. And that's just extra votes for them. So yeah, maybe eight years is enough to be fair. I guess the system is just there in case that you have someone really bad, right? You have someone really bad who gets into power and then they're like, I'm not giving it up. Some people might say that's Donald Trump. Others might not. Um, But someone who accumulates so much power and then they turn a democracy into a dictatorship. So it's it's sort of, um, it's what they call a check and balance, you know, just to make sure that the country's political system is healthy. And I think Javier Millet, um, in terms of him, who knows? Who knows how long he will last? He's certainly an extraordinary character. I think we've brought that up. Um, listen, I don't think... I never expected to see a politician go around with a chainsaw. I don't know if I'll see it again. But <laughs> if anything, we'll remember Javier Millet for that. Yeah, to be fair, I don't think he'll be remembered properly in the history books for that. Uh, my prediction is I hope this doesn't happen, but I, I was talking to a friend about this and I said this guy seems like a type of person that's going to get executed. This feels like the JFK of Argentina. Do you think it's because he's just so, and this is a wild take that you've just made there. Um, do you think it's because he's just so visible? Is that why? Yeah, I think, see, the thing is with some of, some of these countries is it could get a bit too extreme is when you come out like that, when you have that much confidence in what you say, when you have that much passion about what you say when the way you say it it's like oh don't worry everything's under control i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that it feels like okay you've said all of that now if you don't end up doing it or even if you only do it like 50 percent, now you're in, now you're in trouble because we voted because you, you said you're gonna do that and i think it could get a bit extreme when it comes to a change like that because it's just like going from how could I give an example? Like, it's actually funny because I used to watch, <laughs> uh, I watched this clip of uh, Obama and Trump uh, when they were both presidents, so in their own reign, and they were just comparing the clip. I don't, I don't know if you've seen it, and it's just hilarious. So it's regarding the assassination attempt on both uh, Osama bin Laden and some other person from, I believe, ISIS, which... Uh, Trump assassinated Uh, so the video was how Obama was saying yeah we've had like a professional operation uh, thank to this team thank to that team like he was talking so professionally about we unfortunately had to assassinate and take like he was talking like that and then there was this video of Donald Trump saying we killed him like a dog we went in knocked on the door a lot of shooting killed him like a dog it was funny like and it feels like if you're a character like that and you don't live up to what you say because it's such a big change for the country, you may be in trouble. 
you know that that Trump and Obama example that's so unpresidential from Trump's perspective like to just come out and speak in that way whereas Obama was so stately yeah I mean Javier Millet he's extremely high profile and he's proposed a lot of radical things which is probably going to upset people and who knows what will happen as a consequence of that hopefully he does not get assassinated so hopefully your your wild take does not come true yeah, um, I hope that doesn't happen. He seems like a nice guy. Shall we talk about something completely different? Yeah? Mm-hmm. When is the right time to celebrate Christmas? Let's talk about that. When is the right time to celebrate Christmas? I have I have a specific yeah. date in mind, okay? Okay, tell me. 10th of December, right? So here's what here's what I mean. 10th of December, you are allowed to put your Christmas tree up. And okay. you are allowed to start watching Christmas films. And then I have another date. I think 15th of December, you are allowed to start listening to Christmas songs. And that's just perfectly happy for everyone. And then after Christmas Day on the 25th, you stop listening to Christmas songs. You stop watching Christmas films because Christmas is over. So I've narrowed it down to a 10, 15 day period. What do you think? Um... Just before I answer, I'd like to say it pisses me off when I see people celebrated too early. When I see people with their tree up now, or when I see people that have all these decorations going on now, it's annoying. Like, I'm like, come on, it's too early. 10th is a good date to put up a tree. Some people have done, I think just December onwards is good to do to get into the christmas spirit to try to go out for christmas shoppings uh maybe listen to a few christmas songs early on uh because when you go to shopping like if you go to like let's say brent cross which for people who don't know north london's a shopping shopping center next to us if you go there like if you go to a shop for christmas presents and stuff like that they're just gonna have christmas music on even if it's 28th of november even if it's first of december they're, they're gonna have christmas which is on. wrong which is very <laughs> very wrong i'm getting angry hearing this okay and yeah. listen 28th you're being you're being generous when you say even on the 28th these guys they start on the first of november as soon as halloween is done they're like right christmas yeah, i was literally gonna say that i was literally gonna say that i remember i went to um tesco's which once again for people who don't know is a shop is it like grocery shop yeah yeah it is I, I'm, I'm predicting a tesco football team at some point though do you know they have a tesco in budapest no way do they actually yeah tesco are worldwide no i've never seen it in germany nor in france nor in slovenia we shopped there when we went on holiday there that's weird was it the exact yeah. same one like was it the logo the exact same thing yep the exact same. Oh, that's odd because I've never seen it in any other place. I've seen like Lidl or like Aldi in Germany, but uh, they also have they have Lidl in Portugal. Ah, makes sense. Yeah, so I'd say more of like Eastern Europe. You see Tesco, maybe it's yeah. It's originally well, British, as far as I know. Yeah, I believe so. But anyway, we've, we've digressed. Let's go back to Christmas. Yeah, yeah. So this is what I was trying to say. I was like. Okay, it was October, I believe. And you go to all these 
sections of the grocery shops which they have I see like Halloween stuff, sweets, everything. Uh, and literally first of November, a day, a day after Halloween, you'd go in and they have Christmas stuff. You'd have they'd have Christmas wraps, they'd have Christmas trees, not like trees out, but they'd have like the boxes there which you could get. They'd have all these like Christmas decorations, ornaments, like that's annoying. First of November is way too early. It just like it's an overkill. It's an overkill to me. That is the, I literally had that word in my head. It was the first thing I was going to say. I'm going to say it anyway. It is an overkill. Okay. Do they not understand that you do not need to shove this down our throats from the 1st of November? Do you know who's a serial offender? And fair play to her because she has arguably the biggest Christmas song, but it's Mariah Carey. <laughs> I think annually now she releases a tweet on the 1st of November saying it's Christmas time. And then she posts like a video from uh, her her number one hit, her Christmas hit, which is like, come on, man. Like, but there's a difference. There is a difference here. There is a difference between celebrating Christmas and Christmas spirit. So it's important to say that if you're walking around London in November late at night and you've got the Christmas lights and you've got the Christmas spirit, that is fine. So I got no problem with that. Would you agree? Yeah, because it's something you hype up month in advance anyway that's all point exactly so that gets you in mood the problem is the overplaying of christmas songs people putting up their christmas trees late november people already watching christmas films late november then you have a problem because it's like come on man you're you're overhyping christmas here like and you're ruining the experience like have it in a really short period of time, we don't need it to be two months long. No one wants this. It's exhausting. I, I get annoyed. I love these songs. And then I get annoyed because I'm hearing them on the 1st of November. You have, If you put on the car radio now on the 28th of November, you're going to hear Christmas songs. Literally. Literally. Yes, you are. And I remember when we went. So at my uni at Queen Mary at the cafe, um, they were they were serial offenders, by the way. Um, early November. They didn't they have, have the hat on, did they? No, they had a Christmas playlist on early November. Okay, okay. On repeat. Oh, early November. Early November. Yeah, that's criminal. Criminal activities. You should have done a citizen arrest right there. I, I was. I couldn't believe that I was even in the cafe. I should have. I should have boycotted it. You should have. You should have. Yeah, like we went. We went out like what two two weeks ago, or maybe a week ago, and we walked past the street, which was in which station was it? it was Bank, right? No, no, we went to Bond Street, Mayfair. That's the one, Mayfair, Bond Street. And we were walking and it had all these Christmas lights. Obviously, it's a normal thing. Um, and that's they look gorgeous. Not, exactly. That's why it gives you the Christmas spirit. It's just you don't need to be looking at that and hearing Christmas song, having people with their Christmas outfit. Like, it's, it's too early. It's like you can't live like that for two months, a month and a half. That just kills the whole purpose of you know what it's an equivalent to it's an equivalent of saying okay we have let's say like a 500 pound budget we could either go to a travel lodge for three four days or we could go to like five star hotel for two nights for one night it's like an equivalent to that it's like why would you go to a travel lodge for like five days when you can just go to a five star hotel for like a day for two days and that's what it feels like to me. It feels like when they start doing it from November, it feels like such an overkill. It feels like when it gets to the December, when it actually gets to when the Christmas day actually is, 
you're bored of it. How are you not burnt? How are you not burnt out? Like you'd want to start celebrating, let's say, because think about it, at the end of the day, it's a birthday, right? How early do you start celebrating? Your, obviously, now we don't get excited, probably, because we're getting older. But when we were a kid, maybe like 20 days before my birthday, I would be like, okay, let's go. I'm ready. I'm ready for my present. I'm ready for this. I'm ready for that. What about you? Nowadays, it's just like you, you said it there. It's what is What Christmas actually is, is celebrating the birth of Christ. But majority of people probably don't even know that. Because what it is, it's just like a big advertising push. And so you're right. It makes sense from an advertiser's point of view to long it out because there's more potential profit. But for us, the theoretical consumers, it is exactly like you said. It's exhausting. Okay. Which is why I've come up with these dates and I think everyone should implement them and follow these rules. 10th of December, you can start, you can put your Christmas tree up and you can start watching Christmas films. And 15th, you can start listening to the music. And then 25th, your cutoff date, you're done. And if you're keeping the tree up halfway through January, well, then you need to be arrested. Oh, no, I'm sorry. that's bad. Oh, that's the worst ones as well. I was literally going to say that. When they have the tree after New Year's, what are you doing? No. The tree, the tree can go New Year's Day or the day after, or even let's say the 3rd of Jan. Okay, it's acceptable. We'll allow it. But um, if you're if you're on the fifteenth of Jan or something, and you still have your Christmas tree up, you need to it's, you need to criminal. let go. Come it's on, criminal. you need I help. I'm here tree, for you. You know when the tree needs to go? <laughs> yeah, coffee hour podcast. Just DM us. <laughs> tree removal. We will remove your trees. Okay. If they uh, are up halfway through January, we will come and remove your tree. I, I think we should. I think it's for the best. I think this is when the tree needs to go. This is where everything needs to go, right? At the end of the day, let's think about it through the academic year of like university work. I don't exactly know how it works with like jobs, um, like different jobs. But let's say when you get a time off, you'll have it from like 15th of December or something like that from uni. And then when are you back? You're usually back the first week of Jan you're usually back the first week of January, right? I believe it's like the fifth you're back. Universe, well, it, it depends really because unfortunately, well, fortunately and unfortunately, unis have different timetables. So some people might be back at the start, some mid, but let's just say for your argument's sake, let's say the start of Jan. Yeah, so I think two days before or a day before you go back to your work, you go back to the uni work, whatever it is, as long as it's within the first five days of January, you need to let go of everything. So you need to get ready. Okay, this is normal life again. Job, uni, this, that. Forget it. Forget having a tree up until 20th of January. That is, if I if I walk outside houses and I see a Christmas tree in the middle of the January, because some people just leave it outside. Uh, but most people do. If I just see a tree outside someone's house at like 20th of January, 15th of January onward, I'm going to go knock on the house. We're going to have a problem. Well, I told you this week about the house that I went past in Potter's Bar where this I've never seen anything like it. Every inch of this house was covered in lights. And this was almost a week ago. So let's say it was 22nd, 23rd of November. Mm -hmm. And they were full out. I mean... They probably had multiple generators running that baby. I don't know what the fuck was going on, but it was apart from being an eyesore. It was it was disgraceful behavior. 
No one loves Christmas that much. They think they're in a Home Alone film, to be honest. Like, what is going on there? If I was in, if I was their neighbor, I would genuinely be very pissed off because it was it was so bright. You d- you don't understand. You you had to be there to see it. This was worse, not worse, but yeah, this was brighter than the lights that we saw in Mayfair, for example. Oh my days, that's mad. And are we talking a mansion or are we just talking like we are just talking about a normal house? Oh my days, they had everything covered in lights. That's crazy. That you you should have just egged the house. That's what you should have done. That would have been in the Christmas spirit, actually. Yeah, literally. I have a theory on why people start celebrating too early. Go on. Now, this may make zero sense. Like, it literally probably doesn't make sense. But I think the reason some people celebrate Christmas too early is because Halloween is dead. Halloween died years ago. Like, you do not get that Halloween feeling in London anymore. Rarely. Rarely. Like, how many people knocked on your on, on your door this year? A lot a lot of people this year. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> Which is great. completely ruining your point. I think, well, no, Halloween is dead for us. But it's more. It's always been more of a kid's thing, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it, it has but been, that's to be true. fair. Yeah, it that's why it might feel thing. so dead to you. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Plus, actually, in my area, they don't really celebrate it that much just because I live in a Jewish-based area, so not many people celebrate Christmas here anyway. But but also why we had so many people this year was because we actually put a pumpkin out, whereas the past few years we hadn't. So ah. that's why we had no one knock before, whereas this year we had loads of people. I like Halloween, though. I, I like watching all the horror films. I, I love horror films, so it's it's great. I agree. But that's what the holidays come for me. It's just like, it's an it's an excuse to watch horror films. That's pretty much it. Yeah, and I love that. I love where there is an event, whether it's obviously Halloween, it's Christmas, where it makes you watch certain genre of movies, whether it's horror, whether it's like Christmas movies, comedies, because uh, Christmas movies are somewhat comedy, like family-friendly comedies. These are what you'd watch at Christmas, I'd say. You get your Baileys out, you get your whiskey out, and you just watch those. We've started stockpiling on the alcohol, actually. I don't know about you. I'm ready. I'm always ready to go when it comes to that. Oh, just a, a good Bailey's sitting down, watching a Christmas film, even like a Bailey's hot chocolate or coffee. Just perfect vibe, man. Oh, I'm telling you, the Bailey's hot chocolate. Have you actually genuinely tried to mix it with hot chocolate? Yeah, and it, it goes so well. Have you tried to make Have you tried to do a homemade hot chocolate? What do you mean by homemade? So you get the chocolate, you melt the chocolate, and then you mix it. I haven't, but just oh thinking about God. it, it it feels unhealthy. Have you tried it yourself? Yes. It feels like death, but it's a happy way to go. Have you got a recipe for it? Because I will be interested in trying that out. I have indeed got a recipe for it. Um I'll need to try it out though because the last time I did it was okay I melted some chocolate so like chocolate bars um and then I I can't remember if I've mixed I think I mixed it with like hot milk but I can't remember if it was milk or if it was boiling water and then I added the chocolate baileys and it was diabetes to go pretty much but it was worth it yeah I think with these like fancy hot chocolates, we had one before from Fortnum and Masons, and it wasn't it wasn't powder. It was little like chocolate sprinkles, and I remember reading the instructions, and it was like 
you need to melt the chocolate and then you need to add milk and you need to boil it for a bit. Yeah, that's it cool. was like it was really extra, but actually when you taste it, it's incredible. It's a lot of effort, but it's, it's worth it. You and know what? You know I'm what? not a fan of. Before, just to cut you off, that I'm not a fan of marshmallows when it comes to hot chocolates. I I'm not a fan of marshmallows in general. Actually, yes. I think they're overrated. Yes. They are. They really are overrated. What were you going to say before? I've completely forgotten now. I'm thinking about marshmallows. Brilliant, brilliant. But yeah, I'm thinking I'm about. I'm thinking about when you have cream and marshmallows, but just remove the remove the marshmallows and you're good. Like the cream is fantastic. The cream is great. Yeah, yeah, cream is great. You'd want that. That's like the extra stuff. That's like, that's like you know it's diabetes, but that's to make sure so you don't have any doubts in your mind. Exactly. But so good. what? What is our? Have we come to some sort of agreement then on when we should start Christmas? Because I think I've made myself extremely clear, and I just want to know whether you agree with that or you have a different set of dates in mind. What do you think? Yeah. So for me, obviously, the Christmas spirit, as we mentioned before, it's something you probably think about months in advance anyway. Just walking downtown, walking in central, walking in in a shopping center, like even very early December, and you see these lights, you get you get the Christmas spirit. You see people with all their jackets and it's cold outside. You get the Christmas spirit anyway. Just uh, to add, just yeah. add before you go on, um, we are not affiliated with them, but I would recommend going to the Ever After Garden by Bond Street in central London if you haven't already. Yeah, and that's 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 what I'm that's where we went actually when I saw we went to Bond Street for people listening. It's beautiful. Very, very it is beautiful. Nice. Really was but nice. carry on with your point. Um yeah, so I'd say you have to start going for Christmas shopping 7th, 8th onwards, as in like you look at trees, you get your trees, you get your ornaments if you do and stuff like that. And by by the weekend of like wherever, whether the weekend's going to be on 8th, 9th, 10th, that weekend of those days, so 7th onwards, whenever the weekend is, you should put your 8th onwards, whenever the weekend is, you should put your tree up. So I think this this year it's, ninth and tenth are going to be the saturday sunday so tenth perfect day you said you'll have the tree up you'll start watching your you you'll okay you have to have you have to put the tree up with christmas songs that has to happen um well usually what we have a film on while we do it yeah i mean you can do christmas songs i mean it depends on you know what your tradition is but personally i prefer to watch a film while doing it and of course have have the baileys there yeah, of course, the Baileys is a must. The issue is, if I, if there's a film, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to sit down and watch a film. Not that I ever do anything, but I'll try to help. <laughs> well, no, the thing is, right, it's not going to take you two hours to do the tree. So you might get it done in like an hour. And then you can just, you can chill afterwards. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. Or you could just chill beforehand. Did you see what I did there? I see what you did there. That is the lazy option. That, that, that's how we do it. It's all about that. So we're saying tree around 10th of December, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I think that's the perfect ideal date. You'll have the tree up. Then you can start wearing your Christmas outfits, maybe your pajamas. And it's cold outside. You have the heaters up. Um, Christmas movies, 15th onwards, I agree. Because how many is there if you're going to be watching one, two a day? You'll have 10, oh, I don't know. 15 days. I don't know about watching that many a day. I, I'm like, maybe when when we get into like the 20th of December, I'll do like maybe one a day. 
but before that it'll be like one every few days because the thing is you want to stick to the classics there's not that there are a lot of christmas films but a lot of them are mediocre you know so we you want to stick to the classics which are like home alone for me i love elf i also i'm quite like the holiday it's quite cheesy but i'm a fan of that so there are certain ones and everyone's got their own ones but i'm not someone i'm not going to be watching like home alone 3 for example yeah yeah i get i get what you mean yeah i totally get what you mean yeah i think one two every day is too much but what i'm trying to say is like if you have like a period of 10 15 days because if you start watching it from early december then you have so much stuff to watch but if you then you have there's there's not much stuff to watch but they have so much time to watch it so i think 15 thumbwood is good to start watching the movies they'd be probably watching one movie i'd probably watch like three movies a week that's that's my number i'd say three four that's a good number yeah and you can't be watching the movies before your christmas tree is up so you need the tree up first exactly and that's the whole point like you can't be watching them in november oh no no that's just horrible that's that's a crime it is i agree execution's what needed well, I'm glad that we have agreed on when is the right time to start celebrating Christmas because extremely, probably the most controversial topic we have brought up so far on Pof- Coffee Hour podcast. So, yeah, that's how we do it. What have you been watching lately? So, people have been listening over the past four episodes, binge watching Young Sheldon. I'm almost done with it. Almost done with it. But it is good. I am telling you, you should start watching it. What about you? Well, if I ever do watch another sitcom again, Young Sheldon's going to be high on the list because you have now brought it up quite a few times. So I sort of, I feel like I have to watch it. Um, I just finished The Night Agent, which came out last year. And I also just finished Squid Game The Challenge. Oh, how was that? Well... So firstly on The Night Agent, I found it really entertaining, but it sort of dragged on a bit. So entertaining, yes. Uh, Not the greatest show, but happy to have seen it. And Squid Game The Challenge, I was really gripped by it. And as of recording, they've only released the first five episodes. Um, But I have to say, I don't watch reality TV or, sorry, game shows at all, really. Um, But this is really impressive. It's incredibly, like, big budget production it looks as good if not better than the tv show the contestants you you really do get a sense of you know their background their reasons for doing it and it's it is brutal um which is surprising because listen it's a game show no one's dying like in the real show um but just like the the human relationships and and how brutal some people can be in their decision making in order you know to give them the advantage in the game for example uh, is really gripping tv and i'm looking forward to however many more episodes they're going to be releasing i think they're coming out tomorrow so wednesday the 29th and i don't know if it's going to be five more episodes or maybe three more episodes or maybe they're going to do one a week from there on um but i have to say impressive and if you are a fan of squid game the tv show or even if you haven't seen squid game the tv show I would highly recommend watching Squid Game The Challenge because it's really entertaining viewing and I haven't seen a game show this good ever, I think. 
Yeah, I saw it and I was like, okay, this is definitely something that I'll be watching soon. Um, just a few questions. I don't know if you know about this, but I remember just right after Squid Game, so right after it was big and everything, um, Saudi, it was Saudi Arabia that announced they're going to be doing the exact same thing. Obviously not killing people in the process, but they're going to be doing some something like that with a high budget, like a game. Uh, is this that? So has this been recorded in Saudi Arabia? This has been recorded in the United Kingdom. So whatever happened to what you, you're speaking about, um, I'm not sure. This is, yeah, this was filmed in the UK. Um, albeit you don't actually see any like exteriors, so you don't even know. It's, it could it could literally be anywhere on the planet. But yeah, it was filmed in the UK. Okay, okay. that's Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Because, yeah, I, I saw for people who don't know, I saw a post basically right after the time. It was basically Saudi Arabia saying they want to actually do it and they're going to add more stuff to it. So they're going to have their own things added to the game. Uh, and they're going to make a show out of it. So I don't know if that's something they're still doing or if it was just a proposal which didn't go through. Also on the app called, Let is it called Letterbox? Is that the one? That is the one. So once again, for people who don't know on this app, you'll just go and it's like, you could just put reviews of what you watched. You could see what your friend watched if they log in and just see reviews of movies and shows. I saw it's you rewatched. Yeah, it is. I saw you rewatched the last year. Two, three days ago ah i did and that is an excellent film mm -hmm. um yeah so the last duel is directed by ridley scott and that was the reason why i rewatched it because he has just directed napoleon which has just come out in the cinemas and it was actually number one at the worldwide box office over the weekend um but yeah the last duel interesting film because so it was the second last film that Ridley Scott made alongside House of Gucci. They released at the same time in 2021. And financially it flopped. But um, out of the two, it's better than House of Gucci. And it is this, it's this story um, of three different perspectives about the rape of a woman. And it's incredibly gripping, visceral in terms of the violence, but all in all, you know, the first time I watched it, I thought, okay, I can see this is visually a stunning film and quite deep, etc., but a little bit boring. But on the second time watching it, it's a really, it's just a fantastic film. And it's co-written actually by Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, who star in it. So I highly recommend anyone who hasn't seen The Last Duel, and especially if you like history, and especially if you like Napoleon, and even if you just like film in general, um to watch it and also um shout out to jodie comer who plays the rape victim in the film she is incredible i don't know how she got overlooked for awards that year quite a quite a miss misjudgment in hindsight she is just she is the best part of that film it's an incredible performance it's quite a harrowing film it's quite a tough film to watch um but i highly recommend it yeah, it's, it's a long one as well, if anyone wants to watch it. Two and a half hours. I've not seen it, but I've heard of it. I remember back when it came out. I think it was just after COVID. It was still during lockdown. Uh, was it? It was, yeah. So it would have come out on... It, it would have been the 2021 lockdown, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, yeah, the 2021 lockdown, I remember when it came out. I was going to watch it, but it was just so long. I was like, yeah, I'll probably watch this at some point. I'll probably have it as like a background noise and then I'll eventually watch it. Oh, but no, I didn't no, get into too, it. 
it's too good for background noise. And coincidentally, it's actually not the last duel. So it's set in France. It's not the last duel set in France. I think that was in the 16th century. Um, but it's one of them. And it's just fantastic. So I highly recommend it. And oh, fair listen, enough. a film like that, I'd love to give it give it exposure. So thank you for bringing that up, actually. Yeah, of course not, because I was just going through the app and I saw your review on it. And it's actually that you rewatched it, as you said. And as you said, you didn't really enjoy it. Well, you didn't think it was as great as you thought it was when you rewatched it. So, And it was a film which I really wanted to watch at some point as well. But then I just forgot about it up until... Uh, yesterday where i saw your review and i was like okay let me just ask once again to make sure so this is probably be something i'll be watching and maybe by next episode or the one after i'll give my own take on it i will read my three sentence review so i said it's a modern day rashomon and rashomon is a film that came out in 1950 and it's about the same event from multiple perspectives Mm -hmm. so i said it's a modern day rashomon concerning the trial of three lives over an allegation of rape And then I said that it's triumphant in its execution. And I mean, in terms of its acting, its direction, its screenwriting, its production values, just all of it is at the top of its game. So, and also if you like Ridley Scott, I highly recommend watching this. And I highly recommend pretty much watching any of his films because they're just usually fantastic. Yeah, so this will definitely be something I'll be watching, just just to confirm The Last Jewel, not the other one, it's too old. Uh, but yeah, The Last Jewel, I'll watch it, and maybe by next episode or the one after, I'll give my take on it, as I said. That is brilliant, and I think you should ask your dad if he's watched it, actually. I feel like that would be a film he'd like. He probably has. He likes the type of film you like, and I don't get it. I don't get What is it with you lot liking the same films? We're just normal people. See, I don't think so. I think if you ask... The majority that like the films I like. Okay, give me a, an example of what you think is a great film. Okay, he- hear me out. There is great film and there is films you'd rather watch. Now, hear me out. I'll give you an example on that. A great film would be uh, The Inception, right? Or the other one. Let me give another example on that because I think I can find a better example. What was the one with Leonardo DiCaprio and he was like a detective in it? Do you mean Shutter Island? No, no, no. I don't think it was a detective. It was like part of the gang or something like that. It was like a really long film. Spoiler alert, he got shot in the head at the end. Oh, The Departed. I love The Departed. Departed. That's the thing. That's the one. So it's a great film. The Departed is genuinely a great film. If no one, if you haven't seen it, go watch it, people who are listening. See, that right there is a great film. But I think in order to watch a great film, you have to have a certain amount of energy because you have to appreciate how great it is. Whereas if you just put on like a shitty comedy film, or not even just a shitty comedy film, but if you put on film a film like murder mystery now don't get me wrong i don't think it's a great film but what i'm saying is it's a lot easier to watch that over something like the departed because there's so much involved in that that you have to just appreciate it you can't just watch it and be like ah yeah good film you have to pay so much attention and i know that's what you're meant to do when you watch a film but yeah i think that's why i think some films the majority would prefer to watch a film like murder mystery where they just put it on they don't have to pay 100% attention, but they still fully get the film. It's funny sometimes. And like action films, like 
some Jason Statham films, like, uh, is it The Mechanic? I believe it's called. The Mechanic? I don't know that one. I think, or the mach- something like that. No, no. Oh, The Machinist the, is The Machinist, uh, that's the one. Yeah, that's the one. Is it? Yeah, oh. are you talking about the one where he gets really skinny? Yes, that's the one. Yes, I think. That, now, that's, well, see, The Machinist, interesting film, because that's, like, one of the most incredible acting performances I've ever seen. But in terms of the film, the film is okay, which is disappointing because Christian Bell almost killed himself for that role. Yeah, if um, you just look at his photos, it looks like Photoshop. It doesn't make sense I know. how skinny he was. How did in he terms of what that? you're saying, in terms of what you're saying, before I answer that, in terms of what you're saying, murder mystery, it has a broader appeal. You're right, but actually, like, the, you've you've chosen a pretty shit comparison here because the Departed <laughs> is so entertaining that. I find it easier to follow that than murder mystery. Murder mystery is so just mundane in terms of its story where I'm, I'm actually trying to follow what's going on. Cause it's quite stupid. Whereas the departed, it just grips me. Okay. Let's use Tenet, for example, then Tenet and like murder mystery or Enola Holmes, stuff like that. Oh yeah. No, for sure. Like Enola Holmes is, I would say, yeah, I would say more entertaining than Tenet. Absolutely. But Tenet is, Tenet is going for something different, right? So those those films have different purposes, and that's fine. But you can be someone who's more interested in, you know, like broad broad entertainment, family films, uh, Adam Sandler comedies, and you can love those. Or you can be someone who likes really like intellectual Christopher Nolan films, like Tenet, for example, or The Prestige. Uh, that's absolutely fine. I find I find all of those entertaining. Yeah, I, I don't like murder mystery as much as you. I prefer Hubie Halloween over murder mystery, oh, for, for fuck's example. Sake, Hubie Halloween. I can't even remember murder mystery. I watched it like maybe two years ago when it came out, or three years ago when it came out. I just can't even remember it now. I didn't even watch the second one. Oh, the second one was horrible. Really? Even though a lot of people said it's better, I thought it was horrible. Did that come out this year? Uh, yes, early. Very early this year. Well, Adam Sandler had another film come out this year with his daughters playing the leads, so he was just supporting. And that was really good, apparently. I can't remember what it's called. Do you know what was a great Adam Sandler film that was recent? Go on. Uncut Gems. That was brilliant. Oh, yes. Well, right, those those directors, the Safdie brothers, they did a film before that called Good Time as well with Robert Pattinson, who was actually in Tenet as well. Um, which is also great. So those are their two big films. I'm not sure if they've done other ones, but they're a, they're a directing duo to watch out. And their next film is apparently with Adam Sandler, though I don't know what Ooh. it's going to be about or if it's ever going to happen. Um, but Uncut Gems is brilliant. Yeah, I hope we get another one that's like Uncut Gems from them. Imagine writing that. That film is so chaotic. Imagine writing it. that. I love Uncut Gems. That was, that was a brilliant oh. film. I might rewatch that, actually. That's brilliant. I think I'm actually the first time I saw it because I think it came out on Netflix in like a yeah. December or January. So the first time I saw it was like at a Christmas time. So I might have to rewatch it again this Christmas. Yeah, I think I think I'm going to do that. Actually, I'm going to rewatch it as well. All right, man. Should we wrap up? All right, let's do this. I have been your co-host William Code. I'm your co-host Arshia. And thank you for listening to Coffee Hour. See you on the next one. Take care.